Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, the podcast where we have real conversations with real people just like you and explore their incredible stories of transformation and inspiration. I am your host, John Katsavos. Today, we have a remarkable episode lined up that will ignite your motivation and empower you to unleash your full potential. I'm excited to share with you an extraordinary story of resilience, growth, and incredible power of the human spirit. Today, we delve into the life-changing journey of someone who defied all odds to become a true inspiration to countless others. But before we dive in, I want to take a moment to remind you that greatness resides within each and every one of us. It's not just a destination. It is a continuous journey of self-discovery and growth. In this episode, we explore full in this episode, we explore powerful strategies and insights that will help you conquer procrastination, boost your energy levels, and attain a deep sense of peace in your life. We'll uncover the tools and techniques that have enabled individuals to break through their limitations and reach extraordinary heights in both their personal and professional lives. Are you ready to embark on a transformative journey? Join the Fitness Oracle newsletter today and gain exclusive access to a range of exciting perks. As a subscriber, you'll be the first to know about our new episodes, gaining early access before they're released to the public. But that's not all. You'll also receive valuable resources, tips, and personal insights from me to help you on your fitness and wellness journey. Together, we'll uncover the secrets to unlock your full potential, achieve optimal health, and create a life filled with purpose and fulfillment. Join the Fitness Oracle newsletter today and take the first steps towards a happier, healthier you. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on here. So, um, how's the one-on-one program coming along? I know you got one started up. I just want to know how it's coming. Yeah, it's going good. Clients have been getting pretty crazy results, like making upwards of 500K more additional profits in one year. So, getting good results and dialing it all out. So, it's been fun. That's awesome. That's really awesome. I'm really happy to hear that. Um, I know how hard it is to roll out these things and mm-hmm. how hard it is to catch traction. So to to hear that it's a, a success, that right on, brother, right on. Appreciate it. Um, so uh, I always ask these two questions before we get into the nit and gritty of the show. And I just want to get, you know, you know, what first got you interested in this line of work that you do? Yes, I mean, it really started out of a necessity for survival. And I know that sounds pretty dramatic, but that's just the truth. Um, I mean, most of the people listening probably haven't heard my story. So I guess I'll get into that if you want. I mean, that's kind of how everything started for me. So basically it all started when I got stabbed in the throat while at a movie theater by a complete stranger with a chef knife. Yep. You guys heard that, right? You could probably see the scar right here, at least one of them. But imagine 
imagine that you're just sitting down watching a movie, the lights dim, your eyes are just glued to the screen, and then all of a sudden, you feel hard hit to your throat. Because that was what happened to me. In fact, my initial reaction was like, this guy hit me hard. So I stood up and I was like, dude, what the hell? Then I felt another punch to my arm and chest. So then I turn around and push him. And as I push him, I feel a cut on my wrist and ear. And instantly, that's when it dawned on me, I got stabbed. Those weren't punches. So I started yelling like, I've been stabbed. I've been stabbed. The lights turn on. I see him running away, him being the person that attacked me. And I take off my shirt and wrap around my neck. I'm just trying to hold the blood in because that one went halfway through my throat. He got me deep in my arm like uh, you can probably see it right here. And then yeah. he, the other one punctured my lung. So I'm bleeding out. Take off the shirt, wrap around my neck. And I'm just holding the blood in. And then my perception of time is disordered. But I say about two minutes passes. And then these older women come running up there. What should we do? I tell them, just put pressure on my neck. So they start doing that. Then I hear someone say, should we call 911? And I lose it. As I'm bleeding out on the floor, I yell back to them, yeah, you should call 911. If you don't call them in this situation, when the fuck would you? Like, I was just so angry. I was like, well, this is what 911 is built out for. And so uh, anyways, paramedics come five, 10 minutes later. They start asking me all these questions, you know, like, What's your name? What year is it? Who's president? And I get it. They're making sure I'm conscious, aware of what's going on, staying with them, whatever it is. But I'm just so annoyed. I'm like, can you guys like save my life? I get you guys can get to know me later, take me out on a date, whatever you want. All right. I'll answer all your questions then. But like we have a little bit more urgent situation here. And so then um they're like, all right, let's get him up on the stretcher. And so they pin me up on the stretcher, and I feel all my wounds worse than the initial stabbing because I don't have the adrenaline in me. And so it was the the most excruciating pain ever. Like I remember they were carrying me down like the, the ch- past the stairs or the chairs or whatever it was. And for every step that there was, I felt like I got stabbed in all those places, but even more painful than the initial stabbing. And so like, I remember just looking at the ceiling and like trying not to scream my guts out, like just holding on to myself. So we finally get down to the ambulance and I'm start thinking like, okay, Paramedics got me. I can start to relax. And as soon as I get that thought, I feel a cold rush through my entire body. And I realized I was like, I lost a lot of blood. Like I could definitely die here. And so I see them come over with the oxygen mask. And I remember thinking, don't fall asleep. You're not supposed to fall asleep in this situation. They put the oxygen mask over my face. I knock out like within seconds. So I wake up seven days later from an induced coma and I'm I'm as broken as you can get, like living off tubes. If you unplug them, you literally unplugged my life. I lost every ounce of muscle I put on from years of weightlifting for context. I used to be six foot, 8% body fat, like 170 pounds. I was pretty jacked. Now I'm 130 pounds sticks and bone. My legs forgot how to work. And even as I started getting better, it's like, normal tasks, like getting up to go to the bathroom, it felt like running a marathon. It wasn't like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. It was like, dude, I need to get up and go to the bathroom. But the worst part was what happened to me mentally. Like, first of all, my cognitive function was comparable to like a four-year-old. It just was, it would not compute basic information. Like it just wouldn't, it wasn't firing on all cylinders. And then I just didn't have the confidence. I was full of self-doubt and fear. I started questioning, do I really have what it takes to run a business anymore 
or are my goals destined to rot away with my ambitions? And so I was at this point where I really had two options, give up, quit on my potential, and I have every right to do so, or mm -hmm. I could fight for it. And so I chose that second path. I started studying the secrets of evolution, biology, psychology. You can see all these books right here, I dug into those for freaking years. And ultimately just day by day, week by week, month by month, started doing everything I needed to do and then learning how to optimize human performance. And now I help entrepreneurs and driven men become the most powerful version of themselves, how to have the confidence, the motivation and the productivity of a seven figure entrepreneur. So that's ultimately how I got into it. Just the classic go to the movies and get stabbed story. Just the classic one. Oh, wow. That's uh that's a crazy story. Thank you for that. That was just amazing. Like I don't I don't suggest people to go out to the movie theater to get stabbed in the throat to have these kinds <laughs> of uh, um experiences, but uh yeah. I'm glad you're out of it and I'm glad you're thriving in that in, in that situation coming out like a like a phoenix out of the fire kind of thing so yeah, i'm grateful for i'm grateful for you for doing that um have there ever been any moments where you just wanted to say you know what screw it i'm just gonna go get a nine to five job and just live the rest of my life as a mind-numbing zombie mm -hmm. so funny enough like I always known I was going to be an entrepreneur, whether it was like in middle school, I literally would go 99 cent store, buy candy and sell it at the school. High school, I'd do the same thing, but buy and sell electronics, make like 5K in a summer or something like that. And then college, I started a moving business. I always had this entrepreneur side. But after I graduated, I had actually accepted a sales job in Northern California, which is why I got stabbed. Like when I was looking for housing because my job was about to start, that's when I got attacked. So Moral of the story is never get a nine to five because you're going to get stabbed. But um, no, so I actually <laughs> accepted that job. It got stabbed and they were great. They helped me with the recovery process. They even helped with pay some of the medical bills. Just they were really great with everything. And they held the job for me. And so after I recovered and started getting back to a state where I was like functional again, I started that job and things were going fantastic. Like two, three months in, the higher ups loved me. They told me I was on track for promotion and like, literally a third of the time that it would normally take. And I was 21. And once I got that promotion, which would have been probably like four months, I would have been making anywhere from a, starting would have been like 150K. And after a few years, probably be like 300K somewhere in there in that range. So I was like really promising. I was only working 20, 30 hours a week too. So I was like, best job you could get essentially. But like eventually I, after getting to a certain point, like I hated myself when I was in there. Like I'd walk in and I just felt like a shell of a human being. I felt like I didn't felt like my soul was being sucked out of me. And I know lots of entrepreneurs tend to have that kind of feeling too. It's like, you just can't work for someone else. I just can't, I can't do it. Like I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I'm not built for it. And so after three months, I was like, I was like, I don't care even if I'm on track for this crazy promotion, I'm only working 30 hours, whatever it may be. Like I can't. So I actually called up my brother who's running a marketing business. And so I started working with him and helped him kind of build out that business a little bit. And then eventually I was like, okay, I got to start my own business. Like, so he gave me a lot of the skills that I now have to go start my own business. And then after that, started my business. And like most entrepreneurs, you kind of keep pivoting until something clicks. And then, yeah. That's cool. Um, that's really cool. How would you help somebody to get uh, out of that, uh, out of that, um, 
guess you can say like, like, like you you said something important there where where the you felt like your soul was being drained mm -hmm. from the nine to five how do you help somebody identify that um that is something that you have to change and how do you help them find the find their passion mm -hmm. so that they can create that seven figure um yeah. mindset yeah so when it comes to finding your passion what i would say is first of all what worked for me and a lot of other students I used to work with when I wasn't working with entrepreneurs, um, the first thing is look back at your life and find those times where you were excited, where you were full of energy and it didn't feel like work, whatever it was you were doing, like you were so into it because that's what helped me kind of figure it out. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do as an entrepreneur when I first came out, but then I realized it was like every single time, like a friend called me and they're like, Adam, like I, I want to start a business or uh, I just don't know if I have what it takes or I'm really tired and I can't be productive in my day because of it. I'm not thinking clearly, can't accomplish much. I just realized like I'd be on the phone helping them for like 90 minutes or two hours and I would be full of energy. I'd walk out feeling refreshed and that kind of just dawned on me. I was like, okay, well, that's probably a pretty good indicator that I like helping people optimize their performance and help them achieve more. And so that would be the first step is looking back at your life and Look at these experiences. And the second part of that is you're really going to have to spend time in the silence. Disconnect from your thinking mind. Let your intuition kick in. Nine, I mean, your subconscious mind is much more powerful than your conscious mind. And so if you're using your conscious mind, less of your subconscious mind is being used. So you want to reverse the scale, less thinking, spend time in silence, whether you have to meditate, yoga, go for a walk to clear your mind, whatever it is, but spend time in silence and start reflecting on those moments. And then literally ask your subconscious mind, subconscious mind, what am I passionate about? What could I work for for the rest of my life and be excited to do it? And through time, you, you will find an answer. And then the third part to this is take more action. If nothing comes to mind, there's never been anything in your past that has brought you that excitement, that passion when you're working, then go find it, go take more action, go see what sticks and what you like and what you don't like. Like, again, it's like, look at all those books back there. They're on so many different subjects. And it's like, there are some that resonated with me. There were some that didn't. There's things I could dig in for weeks on an end and I just be going deeper and deeper. I'm like, well, this is probably an indicator that I'm pretty passionate about that, right? And so I would say asking yourself the right questions, being in silence, reflecting back at your life, and then taking more action. That's really, that's really cool. That's really cool. The problem with that is uh, mm -hmm. we have a tendency of finding excuses in our lives. Mm -hmm. And those excuses help uh, force us to put stuff that we're supposed to be doing mm -hmm. put it, and put that aside so that we can stay longer in what you – so – eloquently described the nothing box mm -hmm. and all us guys all us men we love our nothing box mm -hmm. and we have labeled that as a as procrastination so mm -hmm. how do you help people um how do you people get how do you help people get out of that procrastination uh because it's like that nothing box is really comfortable mm -hmm. it yeah, really so there's, is there's a few different ways to go about it and so the first is like, again, I'm kind of going to loop back to this procrastination and tackle what you first brought up when you're talking about excuses. And the thing is, you can either take a hundred 
overpower and overcome obstacles that come your way, or you can be a victim, complain about something that's in your life and make excuses for why it can't happen. Oh, I can hit the gym because it was closed. Okay, that's a victim mentality. Now you're not getting the physique you want. You're going to feel terrible about yourself because you didn't hit the gym. If someone takes full responsibility, which you'll see every high performer do, every self-made millionaire, multi-millionaire, billionaires, they all operate with 100% responsibility. Do you think if Mark Cuban told himself he was going to go hit the gym and the gym was closed, that would stop him? No, he'd go find a solution. He'd go do an at-home workout. He would find whatever it takes for him to fulfill what he needs to do because he's 100% responsible. And with this responsibility comes power. Over here, victim, you feel powerless. And I know because that's what happened to me when I got snapped. I was sitting there cursing the world. Of course, this happened to me. My life's done for. But that train of thought, that perspective, it isn't serving you towards a better life. It's keeping you stuck in the same box where you're, you're feeling terrible about yourself and you're not happy with where your life is. And so ultimately, it's a choice to operate with 100% responsibility. Now, I know there's people hearing me say this. Oh, I've heard, I've heard people talk about 100% responsibility and victim mindset. Cool. You can hear about it all you want, but until you embody what we talk about, there's no power in it. You're either 100% responsible all the time or you're not. And that's going to mm -hmm. dictate your results. Now, mm -hmm. when it comes to procrastination, I mean, there's so many different ways to tackle it. Typically, what we do with our clients is we give them more of a perspective switch that they need. It really opens up their awareness to why they fall into their old patterns and ruts, despite declaring they're going to change their actions. You know, like everyone with their New Year's resolutions, we all know how that goes. Data reveals that 95% of people fail to maintain their New Year's resolutions after three weeks. And the reason why this happens, again, comes back to your subconscious versus the conscious mind. So 95% of all our actions that you take in your entire day are made with your subconscious mind. I know people are thinking, BS, what are you talking about? This guy's crazy. Get him off your podcast already. So no. hold on here. When you woke up this morning, did you think about which hand you're going to use to lift the sheets off your body? Which foot you're going to land on first? Where you're going to step next? No, of course not. They happened automatically and subconsciously. And so when you tell yourself you're going to change your actions and improve your life or be more productive in your business, you're using your conscious mind but your subconscious mind doesn't want you to change. And your subconscious mind actually sees every habit as a survival mechanism. I can get into that, but that's gonna be another tangent. So let me stick with this here. What happens is you get into the brain battle, conscious mind saying, let's change our actions. Let's hit the gym. Let's eat healthy. Subconscious mind says, nope, let's stay the same. So you get into what I call the brain battle. You make progress for a few days. You're feeling fantastic about yourself until one day you feel tired, lazy, or unmotivated. So you tell yourself, Oh, I've been doing a fantastic job. I deserve one day off, only for that one day to turn into another and another until you're back into your old self-sabotaging patterns again. It's because it's almost impossible to overcome how you're hard, how you're hardwired to operate or how your subconscious mind is. So in order to really defeat procrastination, you have to link your subconscious to your conscious mind. And it's only when you do this that when you tell yourself you'll work out or you'll work seven hours in your business, you do it and you feel excited to do it. So ultimately that's step one of actually our program is helping people link their two minds. We'll call it mind linking. And it's only when you do this that you consistently take action or you're extraordinary disciplined or however you want to phrase it, right? You feel excited to take action and do the things you need to do. 
And so ultimately that's step one of, of our process and that's how you kill procrastination. That's cool. Um, we're, I want to talk more about your program in a little bit, in a little bit, but I want to stay on this mm-hmm. topic for just a little bit longer. Let's do it. Um, and you said a couple of things that I want to touch up on, but mm-hmm. before we do, um, do you find that people that have ADHD have higher rates of procrastination and, or do you think that the ADHD is more of an excuse for them to procrastinate? Hmm. So probably a little bit out of my uh, ballpark, if I'm being honest, I don't think I've worked with too many people that have ADHD. I think only one of our students has probably had it. Um, but I wouldn't say it was like working with him, at least in that, again, small sample size. So it's hard to conclude something here, but I would say that it probably it's probably not going to hinder anything. I think it's the same as any other person. Cause it's like, some people even consider ADHD as like a superpower because they're so energized, ready to keep doing things one, 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 one. So I think it's more of a matter of like how that person is specifically with the ADHD. Um, but yeah, so I, I it's tough for me to say, cause I don't have too many people that I've worked with specifically that have ADHD. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, there's uh, the one thing that I really wanted to touch up on because you said something there, self-made millionaires. To me personally, I think that's a falsehood because nobody mm-hmm. can become a millionaire by themselves. Mm-hmm. How important is finding and seeking out help to help you along that pathway to become a self a self-made quote unquote, self-made millionaire. Yeah. So to touch up on what you're saying, I mean, ultimately it just depends on what someone's definition of self-made millionaire, right? I mean, if you're really saying no one's going to, I mean, by the definition you're using, then no one's a self-made millionaire. That's not going to exist because you could arguably say that I talked to a stranger and they inspired me one day. Now they're part of the reason why I became a millionaire. So it just depends on your definition, right? So when I say self-made millionaire, I'm saying like they weren't handed down the money. That's more of where my train of thought is. They oh. earned it on their, by themselves. Okay. Um, but what was your question there? I kind of went. Um, how true is that? Well, you kind of you kind of answered it. Um, because well, the whole pro- the whole reason that I have a problem with the whole term self-made millionaire is because people listen to it and they're like, oh, I can become a millionaire by myself. And mm-hmm. uh, once once they get into the work, they realize how hard and how tough it mm. really is. And then they'll just give up. Mm. Okay. I remember what you're getting. So I can't, let me take over from here. So yeah, essentially, I think it's extremely crucial to have a mentor or a coach or someone to supervise you. Right. Like, and so to your point, it's like, I've had plenty of coaches that have transformed my life completely 180. Like I wouldn't be who I am and achieved what I have without their help. And so I think it's extremely crucial because it just, it's like a shortcut in your life, right? Instead of doing trial and error and trying to figure everything out by yourself, you have someone that's been through that, that's had those experiences that can help you not have those same mistakes or learning, learning lessons, however you want to deem it. And so it's like one of the best things you could do. It's like, I've seen it through myself as like who I've become because of my coaches. And then not only that, I've had helped coach people and then I've seen them transform too. And it's like, so it's extremely vital. And it's like, if you can't afford it, try and do it. But then the question is like, you have to find someone that's actually knows their shit and has a genuine desire to help you. I think that's one of the most important things about choosing a coach is really their intention, their authenticity, and their sincerity. 
I mean, we all know this whole coaching space is filled with BS programs that don't deliver results, people that don't really care. They just want your money. And so the trick is really finding someone that has that passion, that excitement, and that really resonates with you. And so I, but I, I, I can't emphasize it enough. It's like, I will, even in, even when I'm an eight figure entrepreneur, I'll still be paying for coaches. Like I'm always going to, there's always going to be someone higher up than me that I can learn from, whether it's in one area or another area, it's like, they can help me become a better version of myself, which is definitely going to like the results of that are going to be expansion in all areas of my life, business, relationships, health, happiness, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you said another thing, no, another good, really talking point there on, mm-hmm. uh, having a coach so that the coach can teach you the mistakes that they made mm-hmm. so you don't make them. How important do you think it is for you to make mistakes during this process? Oh, we're going to, everyone makes mistakes everywhere. Right. And so I don't I don't even like the term mistakes much uh, just because the connotation that that has on it. But yeah. I mean, whatever, that's, it's potato patata at that point. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really vital. The thing is you're going to keep repeating the same mistakes in your life time and time again, until you learn the lessons. Like that's why we make these mistakes is because there's a lesson to learn on it. Like yesterday, for example, it's like, I'm, I fucking smoked too much weed out there. And then I got a weed hangover and I was like, that was a mistake. I can't be as productive today. But then it's like, look, I just learned that I need to limit my weed intake at night so that the next day I don't wake up groggy. You know, it's like, I don't see that as a mistake. It's a learning lesson because now I'm not going to, make that same mistake again. And now I'm going to be more productive consistently. Right. And so oftentimes we repeat these same mistakes or that we hit the same failures because we fail to take away the key lesson from that, that we're supposed to, but it's like, you're always going to have mistakes or failures or whatever it is. It's a matter of how you use those to your advantage, or if you just keep repeating it. I've, I've heard that many times and it's very tough to find the lesson uh, in the mistake, um, especially early on, early on in while you're in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. How do you help people identify the lesson that the, um, I don't like using the word mistake either, but I mean, just for the, yeah, just whatever. for the, just yeah, for the that. context of this, what we're talking <laughs> about, let's just keep it at that. It's yeah, more yeah, of a, of, of a life lesson kind of thing. Yeah. But how would you help to, how would you help somebody to identify what the lesson really was? Mm-hmm. And so I'd say the biggest thing is, is really spending time in silence and having everyday reflection. Like I have a journal right here. It's like throughout my day, I write, I jot down things that I did, how I felt about them because of it. And then like the lesson I learned because of it at the end of every single day, I reflect and see like, okay, what did I not do great at today? What could I do better the next day? And again, just kind of reflecting on the day allows me to find the lessons. I start to discover what happened and the common mistakes I keep making. And so I'd say it's a lot of reflection time, spending time in silence and just moving at a slower life or slower pace in life. You know, everyone's always on their phones, checking Instagram because they have 30 seconds. They can't sit in a chair for 30 seconds. Their mind needs to be addicted to something. They can't go on a walk without a podcast. It's like, I get it. It's like consuming knowledge is good, but at the same time, an overconsumption leads to a lot of issues, anxiety, unable to control your mind. That's going to go into sleep issues. You're not gonna be able to fall asleep, stay asleep because your dreams are very active or whatever it may be. And so ultimately I say it's spending time in silence and just reflecting and 
again, I use a journal for this process. It's very cool. Um, I totally understand what you're where, where, where you're coming with this because uh, being in silence is one of my one of the things that I love. Like I, I'll run no music. I'll walk mm -hmm. no music. No podcasts. Uh, mm -hmm. Only when I work out, I'll listen to a podcast. But I hate listening to music. It's just drives me nuts some of the mm. new stuff even the old stuff like listening back it's just mm -hmm. nasty yeah it's it's nice once you get used to spending time in silence at first it sucks like i've been there myself i used to be a hardcore gamer i could freaking game for seven hours all day and be happy but so i know it's tough but once you get once you like reap some of the benefits of it and you realize how much happier you are i mean all it takes is observation um but yeah then it becomes easier yeah yeah absolutely um, how do you help other than being in silence? How do you help people boost their energy levels? Because mm -hmm. naturally, not uh mm -hmm. with external stimulants. Yeah, gotcha. Stimulants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this goes into really step two of our whole process. We call it attaining superhuman performance. And essentially it's getting you to a point where every single day you wake up full of energy, you're thinking clearly, you're focused, and produce quality work. Because the thing is, it's like, yeah, you could work seven hours a day, but if you're not thinking clearly, you're not in a creative state, you're not focused, the quality of work that you're producing isn't going to grow revenue or make progress in your life. And so to circle back on energy specific, the main thing we do is really just focus on optimizing your health. Um, and to do this, obviously you can do nutrition, your workouts, but the number one thing is going to be your sleep. And so the way I explain this is like, look, you could be eating the healthiest ever. You could be cutting out all carbs, sugar, alcohol, whatever it is, eating super healthy. But if you get terrible sleep or you get three hours of sleep, you're not going to feel energized the next day. It's just that simple. And so the main thing is focus on dialing in your sleep and your circadian rhythm. Your circadian rhythm is the one of the biggest factors in your hormone production, which essentially operates. It's a fancy way of saying like it affects how you feel. And so I know people know how important hormones are, but they don't really know, at least not to the actual extent. So what I like doing here is like saying, oh, let me turn off my phone. Sorry about that. But what I say is like, look, look at people who take steroids. They often get roid rage or the smallest thing. It takes them mm -hmm. off like a bomb and they're not in control of their emotions. That's because they have a surplus of testosterone and their hormones aren't balanced. So when you dial in your sleep, you're subsequent, consequently, actually optimizing your circadian rhythm as well. And so there's a few hacks here. The first is the hours you sleep are not created equal. And so I always say, it's like, have you ever gone to bed at 2 a.m.? Even if you got eight hours of sleep, have you ever felt good the next day? I'm going to say no, because I haven't and no one I've talked to ever has, right? And so that's because like 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. are the golden hours for sleep. So ideally you want to be asleep before 10 p.m. would be ideal if you're trying to get the best sleep possible. Now, the second aspect to that is you want to fall asleep at the same time every single day out of the week within about a 30-minute gap. So maybe if you say 9.30 is your bedtime, 9's okay, 10's okay, right? And so those are going to be the biggest two. And I promise anyone who's listening, if they just did those two things, they would feel so much better. So ultimately, those are going to be some of the hacks. Now, I know there's also people listening and go, I have insomnia. I can't get good sleep because X, Y, and Z. 
Okay, so first of all, even if you do have insomnia, how is holding onto that belief that you can't get good sleep helping you live a better life? Is it enabling you to overcome your sleep issues so that you feel good and can be more productive? Or is it keeping you stuck in this vicious cycle where you get shit sleep and you feel terrible every day? So even if you do have insomnia, why do you operate from that place? Again, it's that victim mentality versus 100% responsibility we were talking about earlier. Second step to this is you likely do not have insomnia. I used to think I had insomnia too. Try and go into bed at 11. 12 o'clock passes by. Oh, if I fall asleep now, I'd get seven hours. One o'clock passes. Okay, I'd get six hours. I know all the routine. I've seen it. I've helped hundreds of people dial in their sleep. I'd say out of the hundreds of people that I've actually helped dial in their sleep, I'd say 60 to 75% of people tell me they have insomnia. And then within a month of working with me, they're getting the best sleep of their life. So I know it's not really insomnia. It's just poor sleep habits. They're sitting there watching TV right before they go to bed all those vibrant colors releasing chemicals in their brain that make them hardwired, their mind active. It's like there, you can go on Facebook and you catch yourself just scrolling, not even processing information. Why? Because, well, first of all, 95% of the revenue comes from ads. So the longer they hold your attention, the more money they make. So they literally have incentivized to make it as chemically addictive as possible. And so that's what they do. Those vibrant colors release chemicals in your brain. So again, there's just, it's what, in a nutshell, let me just wrap it up by saying this. Sleep is a skill that you get better on. Or another way of looking at it is you need better sleep habits. I love I love this I love where this conversation is going to go. I love it because I'm a huge <laughs> fan of the circadian rhythm mm -hmm. and I'm a huge fan of uh following the proper times that you're supposed to be sleeping. I'm a huge mm -hmm. fan of it. And oh, it's I'm like day, you. Just the quality. Yeah, I mean I am I'm like I go to I go to bed at a very I have a hard, I have a hard shut off where I go to bed, and mm -hmm. I have a hard wake up every single day. Today was this, today is Sunday that we're recording it. Yesterday I was in bed at a specific time, and I woke mm -hmm. up at a specific time. Nice. And I, my whole life has changed because just because oh, yeah, of it. Yes. Um, what about the people that do a lot of travel for work and mm -hmm. they change different time zones? The time themselves, because mm -hmm. the circadian rhythm is based off of the sun mm -hmm. right so how would you help somebody who does a lot of travel for work or just just generally does a lot of travel and uh changes different time zones all the time i'd say you're done for but um there are things that can help navigate this so there's, you're not if you're traveling every day you're just not going to get as good as sleep as, as someone who's doing the same habits at the same place in the same time zone right but a few things you could do is like, you have to make sure that I, at least when I, when I travel, what I do is I, I work out as soon as I land. And then every morning I have coffee. And after a few days of just doing that and working out in the morning helps me a ton. So those would be a few of the hacks that I recommend that people do. Um, other than that, it's, it is just going to be tough. It's a transition period. And I mean, I'm sure you've experienced the harsh reality of what happens when you travel. You just don't get good sleep. Because not only that, the circadian rhythm aspect of it, but it's also, if you've probably noticed, is like whenever you go somewhere that you haven't been before, you don't get as good sleep, at least the first night. And that's because your subconscious mind doesn't know if this new environment is safe yet. And so even that in itself, you're not going to get good quality sleep. So there's a few things you can do, like I just mentioned, but 
ultimately the best thing you can do is try not to be traveling so much if i'm being honest <laughs> yeah sometimes work does not allow yep. some people to um to do that so mm -hmm. that that's that's really cool uh so stuff like melatonin you don't you're not a fan yeah, of you can definitely use it at night um as well but the main things I like doing are the workouts, the caffeine timing, and there's one more that I usually do, but I'm, of course I'm blanking on it when this comes up. It'll probably come up to me in a few minutes or something like that. But, um, oh yeah, just avoiding the power naps. That's what it was. You get into a place, just like, don't sit there and go, oh, I'm tired. I need to nap through. It's like, no, you need to power through and then fall asleep at night and then wake up in the morning. Yeah. 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 I know that. I mean, I went to, uh, <laughs> I went to Thailand. No, I went to Vietnam, and that was interesting because when I was supposed to be sleeping, the sun was out. Mm -hmm. was oh, 12 wow. hour, 12 <laughs> hour difference. Jeez, that's brutal. That was that was a rough couple of days. Yeah, I, especially we, coming. Sorry, I was gonna say yeah. We went to Alaska during the summer, so it was like only sunlight or you was like bright like twenty hours out of the day. So that I've, I've battled mm -hmm. that as well. Yeah. Um, how do you help people attain peace of mind? Mm -hmm. yeah. This is a tough one. This is a really, I get squirrel brain and I know a lot of my listeners, they have squirrel, squirrel brain. Mm -hmm. So it's like, um, and nothing is ever enough. So how yeah. do you help them identify that? What you the have sad, now is sad, good. The sad truth of it is 99. 99% of people will never have internal peace. The 0.01% of people that do, it's because they understand the one few universal truths in life. And that is the only way that you have peace. You don't have this internal turmoil. You don't have anxiety, depression. All of that can be completely eliminated from your life if you do this one thing. And only if you do this one thing. Shut off your thinking mind. The examples I like using is, look, look at all the species on this entire planet. Humans are the only ones that are depressed. Humans are depressed more than any other species. So why is that versus dogs or cats or whatever it may be? What separates us from all these other species? Our prefrontal cortex, our conscious mind, our thinking mind. That is what separates us. Now, I know this because I've had the necessary experiences of states. Like, for example, there's been a state, a time where I was literally reading a book about this topic. I even have the power of now up there too. And it reaches at the same thing. But I eventually reached a state where my mind was completely just done. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like thinking about anything. I was super grounded. I had very high level of presence. And during that state, there was nothing that could have happened in my life that could have affected my my mood. Like even if someone had came up and punched me in the face, wouldn't have affected me. Like I, I it wouldn't have affected my mood. It just wouldn't have. And so I've learned, I've had the necessary experiences to understand this raw truth that I'm telling people. But the thing is, most people are going to hear this. The first of all, they won't even believe it. And then the second aspect is you have to have the genuine desire to attain this peace and it has to be overwhelming. Otherwise you're never going to have it. And that's, so that's why I say 99% of 99.99% of people will never have it is because one, they don't even believe it's possible. And two, they don't have the authenticity and that genuine desire to actually reach that state. And I'm, 
like to put it in perspective is like, this is something that's been consuming my life. Like that I've been very passionate about for a year and reading books on this for 30 minutes a day, listening to podcasts on this for 30 minutes a day and embodying what I need to do. I'm still not fully there myself. There's times I get angry. There's times I've anxiety. And so that's why I say most people will never be able to attain it. But the only way is by learning how to shut off your thinking mind and, or another way of phrasing it is having a higher level of presence. That is, that's tough for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And especially for men, because as men, we're supposed to only have uh, two emotions, anger and love. That's it. Mm. So when we're introduced to something as, um, you know, understanding that, you know, it's okay to have the other emotions as well. It's it's a tough pill to swallow because we're not really trained that way, mm-hmm. deep down in our core. Now I can speak for my my own personal my own personal story, mm-hmm. where not being able to um, share my emotions with my family mm-hmm. led me to just anger, mm-hmm. and this is trying to unravel that is not an it's not an easy thing and it's mm-hmm. not something that takes a year uh, or a, or six months to undo. When someone is in your program and you see that they're having a hard time with it, what would you tell them to help them um, um, help them through the process? Just kind of depends on what the issue is, right? I mean, some people are going to have different issues because they may not believe that what I'm telling them is, the the case i've had like students like ben for example like i would tell him exactly like this is what you need his biggest issue is the whole motivation consistently taking action he didn't believe what i was telling him i was like if you actually embody the lesson wholeheartedly then you'll have the motivation within consistently for the rest of your life within 30 days he wouldn't believe it so obviously with him it's a matter of belief in that situation but it's just going to vary from person to person, depending on what the actual issue is, whether it's a belief issue, whether it's an execution issue, meaning they're not executing it correctly. So it's kind of a tough question to ask without more context into it, um, because it's it's just going to vary from person to person and what their mm-hmm. problem is or their roadblock is, right? Yeah, because I think I, I I think the um, the whole idea of just being a stoic rock is. It's, it's amazing, and I think mm-hmm. that's what you're just trying to uh, trying to, to to say there is that it is okay to be that stoicism that that stoic. I don't have an emotion right now. I'm just gonna let my things go mm-hmm. as they are, and I, I think that's that that's. I personally like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the best thing. Well, it's just a matter of you're in you're in control, right? You're not letting something that happens in the external world affect your internal world, and that's power in itself. And so ultimately that's the most powerful thing you can do is be in a state where nothing affects you internally. Like you're in full control there. Easier said than done. Right. But yeah, it's very powerful if you can attain that state. Yeah. Yeah. I find that martial arts. Do you find that martial arts helps that helps this? I haven't done much martial arts. Okay. Well, what about the gym? I know you were in the gym, so I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you find that uh, being able to uh, hop in the gym and take uh, your anger and just unleash it on the 
on the weights. Sure it, work, it works for some people. I'm I'm not too angry nowadays. I'm I'm pretty good at getting to a state where not many things disrupt me. So I'm not going in there going saying, all right, this person said this. I'm hitting it hard today. You know, it's like nah. Um, but yeah, obviously like anger releases stress in general and makes you feel better. So just doing things like that, staying active definitely helps. That's awesome. I'm yeah. I'm not there yet. There's a lot of <laughs> anger still there. So the gym helps me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <It> works for me. <laughs> um, so we covered two of two of the steps. How many more steps do you have in your process? Pretty if you much don't mind just one, giving so... us like a overview yeah, yeah. of exactly. So the first step again, linking your two minds together so that you have discipline or you're consistently motivated. So the second part to that is attaining superhuman performance so that the hours that you actually do work, well, you're very productive with them. You accomplish more in three hours than you used to do in eight because the states you're in, your focus, have creativity, clarity, whatever it is, right? And then the third the third part is you have to operate like a CEO. You're never going to see Elon Musk installing solar panels on houses because it's not a good use of his time and energy. Yet you often see lots of entrepreneurs spending their time posting their content or posting on social media, editing their own videos, creating graphics. It's like your time and energy is better spent doing other activities. You could work 10 hours a day, but if you spend all your time editing videos or doing tasks that you could outsource for $5 an hour, you're not actually growing your business very quickly. It might please your ego and make you feel like you're being productive, but you're not. Another example I use is like, Look, if the number one thing in your business is that's holding your business back is leads, like you struggle to produce leads or get book calls or whatever it is, but you spend all your time improving your program. You're like, I'm, I'm going to make this program killer so that when I have students, it's going to crush. Well, you're wasting your time and energy because the issue isn't that your program sucks. The issue is you're getting no one in your program, right? And so it's getting you to operate like a CEO, build a team that's going to be addicted to growing your business just as much as you are. How to consistent, so essentially that's going to be it. How to use your time more efficiently, gain that freedom back. So this is ultimately how we help people grow their business quicker than ever while working less is because we're getting them to delegate a lot of responsibilities to step into that CEO level role. What if a person just doesn't have the financial means at that moment to delegate stuff and they have to be the one-man show. They have to do the editing. They have to do the 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 marketing they have to do the uh cold cold outreach i would well, say how they would don't. You help yeah i would Sorry? say yes i would say they don't have to be i would say it's hurting their business and they have they don't have revenue because of how they're operating because they're doing that stuff is the reason why they're stuck without revenue you could go get a loan for what thousand dollars you can get a loan for thousand dollars anywhere especially if you own a business now you what freed up 200 hours of time a month that you can outsource for $5 an hour to have someone edit your videos together. You don't have to be doing there. Again, it's almost like a victim mindset. It's like, look, you could go get a thousand dollar loan, have someone edit all your videos, post on social media. And if you can't produce a thousand dollars to make up for that with the hundreds of hours that you just created out of thin air, then that, there's something deep. There's a deeper issue there. So mm -hmm. that's what I would say to them personally. I know some people are hearing that and they're probably going to get triggered or say, screw this guy, but that's, that's how I think it is. It's like you're being the biggest bottleneck in your business because you're spending your time. Like if you want to have a seven-figure business, you have to operate like a seven-figure entrepreneur. Do you think seven-figure entrepreneurs are sitting there doing all those tedious tasks? No, they aren't. And so if you don't 
operate like one, you don't take the same actions, you don't behave like a seven-figure entrepreneur, then you'll never have a seven-figure entrepreneur or seven-figure business. So literally that simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to try to like really formulate this next question because it's kind of important. <laughs> a lot of people listening to this show, uh, they don't have the funds. They want to do mm -hmm. something. They have bad credit. So they can't go to the bank to get a loan. The people that are around them don't trust them mm -hmm. with money because of failure after failure after failure after failure. And they have this, uh, they, ha they have this failure mentality mm. that everything that they create blows up and it, it allots to nothing. So how can you help somebody like that? Terrible credit. Um, the, the bank won't even give them five bucks. Okay, to, uh, so let's say that is the scenario. I'll accept that scenario. And then in that example, yeah, maybe you will have to spend your time doing a bunch of tedious tasks. But then the thing is, you have to really pinpoint what's holding your business back. How do you get to that point where you can make one, two, 5K a month or even 10K a month or whatever it is, and then focus on that? Because the thing is, you might be spending a lot of time doing these tedious tasks, but those tasks aren't even growing your business much. Like, so ultimately I take a step back instead of saying, instead of hustling without clarity is figure out like put a game plan together. That's actually going to produce the revenue you want, because if you're spending a lot of your time doing those tedious tasks and you're still stuck, like it's probably not best to keep pitting more hours into that same thing. That's not producing any results. You're going to be chasing your tail. And so ultimately that's kind of what I would say. Um, and then in that state is like, you have to, first of all, get out of your own head and get out of your past experiences and get out of that nonsense. Focus on moving forward. If you you always go to where your attention is. Like, I mean, I used to bowl a ton. If you do archery, they'll always tell you, look where you want the ball to go or where you want to shoot because you always gravitate towards that. It's the same thing when you go driving. And so this is also why when you tell yourself if you're going to eat healthy, you should toss out all the junk food because we know what happens when you open up the freezer and you see a pizza. Now it's on your attention and now you want to eat it. But if you don't have it there, it does not on your attention and you're less likely to cheat, right? And so if you're constantly fixated on your failure, past failures, you're going to keep repeating them. And so stop. It's a choice. You can choose in the moment when your mind gets to that to say, you know what? No, this isn't serving me. I'm going to figure out something moving forward. So that's ultimately probably some of the key pieces I would say for that. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you for that. Uh, we're coming up close to the end of the show. And mm -hmm. these are the 10 questions. It's 10 questions now. It was nine, but now I, moved, I added a new one okay. that I ask all my guests. So you're the second one that's going to get this new question. All righty. With the increase in people suffering from depression from the past uncertainty that we've been living through the last two, three years, what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? One thing to keep their hopes up. Well, first thing I would say, the most powerful thing is get out of the news. News is like, there's so much data that shows like, if you watch the news, you're 75% more likely to be depressed or whatever it may be. So first of all, is cut out all that news nonsense. Like I'm not here to brag, and, but this may come off as bad. He's like, I wasn't affected in the past two to three years. Everyone, when I hear people say, oh, like, with what's going on in the world and all this stuff. I'm like, to me, I'm like, no, that just means you've been sucked into this propaganda and all the news bullshit that's being piled on there. That's all that when someone says that kind of stuff, that's, that's how I automatically think. Um, but to say there's hope, I'm like, look, 
look where I was. I was in a freaking induced coma living off tubes. If I got to there to where I am now, why can't you? I wasn't born with anything that you don't have. It's just maybe I made better choices and operated from a place of commitment because I said, screw it. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And so in terms of inspiration, I would say you're not in a worse, who's ever listening to this, you're not in a worse situation than I was. So again, if I got out of it, you can too. What's the one thing that you do daily that amplifies your ability to stay focused? That, hmm. I would say the one thing for my focus is work on focus habits. So there's a few of them that come to mind here too. Um, I literally will light a candle and just stare at the candle for as long as I possibly can. And then also try and fuel the flame. As I see the flame shift to left and right, I try and fuel the flame. It sounds weird. And the first, when someone, my mentor told me to do this, I thought it was weird too. Feel the flame. What the fuck are you talking about? But after doing this for like days, weeks, I started to have better focus. And like, it's funny because I'll be staring at the candle and I'll see my phone go off, but I don't let my attention shift to my phone. I know I got a text message, but I keep my attention focused on there. So that's one thing you can do. Second thing is stop multitasking. That's probably the, probably actually the biggest possible thing you can do. You multitask, your focus is done for your mind's going to have, you're going to have anxiety and being super overactive mind. Very cool. If you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? Don't go to the movie theater on June 29th. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, honestly, I think everything happens for a reason. So, I mean, if that didn't happen, who knows if I'd be doing what I am now. Um, but I guess the one thing I would do is tell myself to learn better money habits. I didn't have a good example of that growing up. So even when I started to get money, started to spend it really poorly, make bad decisions that way. Looking back, would you change anything? I don't think so. Because again, I really think everything happens for a reason. Um, so I wouldn't change anything. Now for the new question, That's what's good. more important to a man, his word or his purpose? Word, because if he's not, if he's not careful with his word, he'll never be able to step into his purpose at the full potential. Love it. What scares you? Being in my deathbed, looking back at my life with regret. Where do you see superhuman CEO in the next five years? Eight-figure business, me working 20 hours a week, clients getting insane transformations. Start again that, but. Very cool. How about you personally? Where do you see yourself personally in the next five years? Married, one to two children, house that overviews the city, great view. And yeah, those are pretty much it. Definitely in terms of spirituality, want to be at a place where not even the slightest thought comes up in my mind, aka my mind's totally eradicated, which is going to lead me to having more peace. But yeah. Very cool. Uh, where can people find more about you? Yeah, it's a good, two ways. You can go to superhumanceo.com or you can follow me on Instagram or message me there. It's Adam Lucero, L-U-C-E-R-O then the number one. So Adam Lucero, one. 
and we will add all the links to in the show notes for people to find to have easy access to you and your content sounds good uh any final thoughts i would just say if you're listening to this podcast focus on your habits thing is you create your habits then your habits create your life 95 percent of your actions are based through your subconscious mind your subconscious mind operates through habits very cool adam thank you so much for coming on the show mm -hmm. your story was amazing um I, I the last couple of guests i've had they've had like mind-blowing experiences but yours i think is like <laughs> uh right right up there close to if not number one i mean being stabbed in the throat stabbed in the <laughs> shoulders chest i mean it's gonna be tough to beat that one except for yeah. the one that died <laughs> except for the guests that actually died and came back i mean you're you're right oh, up there with nuts. her <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> and for you to bounce back and create what you're at a seven figure business right now and looking to go into eight figure business from that kind of uh life happening i'm gonna call it is inspirational to say the least appreciate so, it so Thank you for your resilience. Thank you for your your hard work. I know how tough this is to 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 be pushing out this kind of content. I personally know how tough it is. So uh, I really appreciate you and your story. So thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thank you for having me on. It's nice chatting with you. Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before, and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or good night wherever you may be in this crazy world. Hey guys, John from Resilient Reboot Productions and the Fitness Oracle. I just wanted to thank you for watching this episode and I really do hope that you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to subscribe, hit that bell, and share this episode if you are watching this on YouTube or on Rumble. If you are listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker FM, or whatever streaming service that you may be using, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review as it will help us reach out to more people that are suffering from mental health issues. Now, if you haven't done so already, um, I am offering access to a free weekly newsletter that we send out every Sunday and it would and it's jam-packed with podcasting tips and health and wellness tips to keep you balanced um, in the podcasting and content creating space. So if you haven't done so already, sign up to this free newsletter. It's uh it's totally free and it also gives you access to the uh the fitness oracle private community in Mighty Networks where we talk about this episode, we talk about how to implement, how you have implemented these uh, lessons that you've picked up in your life and how it's impacted your life. And we are working on a lot of great other um, um, programs and and uh, support systems for you guys to be able to, uh, to access. So if you haven't done so already, sign up to the newsletter and uh, I'll see you guys on the inside.